Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today is your periodic reminder that time does not equal value. (laughs) (laughs) We need to talk about that on a regular basis. Yes, it's sort of a drum I beat regularly, especially over on Ditching Hourly, but uh, we haven't talked about it in a while, so... Uh, and, we, and we've got some stories and, uh, you know, some questions that have come in. Um, we're going to get to a questions episode coming up soon. But uh, today we just wanted to zoom in on this one particular thing. And did, you, had a, you had a good story, I thought, that kind of kicked this off. Yeah, well, I think I've talked, well, I know I've talked on, on this show a few <laughs> times about designing something for women, designing some kind of a product or service or productized service. And so I've been conducting these interviews, and I've, I've now done 12 of them, which seems to be enough to get the point. And one of the things I expected going in is, and these are successful women with, with um, you know, consulting style practices. I expected them to tell me, you know, I want content. I want this. I want that. I want some deep level of content. I want access to a content vault or something like that. Um, instead, it was the exact opposite. They mm. said, nope, don't care about that. Don't want content. I can get it a lot of different places. I get it from you and other things. What I want is I want a place to go more deeply with a small group of people. And it's about the relationships. It's about the relationships with them, the quality of the people in the group, the, my relationships with them and my relationship with you. Mm-hmm. Content, i.e. time, has nothing, almost nothing to do with it. Right. I was yeah. really, I was surprised. <laughs> it pleasantly. I, pleasantly I I'm very happy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm very happy. But I, it's not what I expected. Right. It's a great example of, th- you know, bringing a hypothesis to the ideal buyer, the target market, and finding out that you were, I mean, it's not always 180 degrees off or like dramatically off, but it is almost always not right. The hypothesis is almost yeah. never quite right. Yeah. And through conversation with the people for whom you are making the thing, you're making this gift for particular people, or, you know, this, this like, you could think of it like a gift. It's like, here, I made this for you. I hope you like it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, bring a present a housewarming gift to somebody's new house, you know, you want to bring them something that they're going to value and enjoy and not something that you, you're like, oh, I exactly. love this. This is my favorite step ladder. So I got you one too. Yeah. It's like, well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. So, the gift is about the, the receiver, not the giver. Yeah. Right. So this, this happens a lot with, um, there's, there's sort of an analogy or a parallel. It's, I think, a little bit more severe. I think yours was less severe because you were just doing research, but it, it happens a lot of times when I'm coaching people on, uh, transitioning over from thinking on a scope first hourly basis to create an estimate to send to a, a potential client, Transi- transitioning from that to a, uh, a value proposal, value based or value priced proposal where they scope last. And mm-hmm. in this exercise, it's extremely common for people who you'd probably categorize more as freelancers and doers and people who equate their time doing stuff with their hands as value, which is, you know, as the title of this episode, that is not where the value is. Um, but when they're really used to that and you go through the exercise, it's 180 degrees backwards. So instead of thinking like how much time is it going to take me to do the work that I think 
they want me to do and then you multiply that by an hourly rate and maybe tack on a little slushy you know buffer just in case of say 15 percent and uh, and then you get to work um, instead of that you scope last and you start instead with uncovering the value of the transformation to the buyer so what's the overall transformation that that they want you to contribute to and it'll be some business outcome that will have some value to the buyer so whether it's something like you know increasing sales or decreasing time to market or shortening their sales cycle or uh, increasing the number of free trial conversions it's something like they want you to do mm -hmm. they're not just giving you money because they want elegant code or pretty pictures they want those that elegant code and pretty pictures to do something for them and if you can find out before you start working with them what that thing is then you've got a fighting chance of doing it <laughs> instead of <laughs> instead of just doing best practices and then being dissatisfied and then you do some more best practices and and the meters running the whole time so okay but back to the point um, so you figure out roughly what the value might be to the client and you do that through you uncover that with them you help them uncover that you dig it out of them it's not something that you slap on on the thing and you say okay if you know if we're in the ballpark of let's just use for round numbers 100 grand and I say, okay, to the student, like, okay. So the client has has um, revealed, or you can just do, you know, they've, they've told you things that allow you to do conservative calculations on the back of a napkin, where, you know, if this works, it'll be worth 100 grand to them per year, easy, like easy. Yes, okay, great. Now what do we do? Now we come up with three prices that are a fraction of that number, because you're not gonna do the whole thing. You're not gonna wave a magic wand and give them the outcome they want. You're only gonna contribute to it. And you can contribute a little bit, you can contribute more, or you contribute a lot. So you give them three options in the proposal. And my favorite pricing curve is 10, 22, and 50. So if you do like 10% of the $100,000, then you say, okay, if they gave me 10,000 bucks, what can I do? What would I be happy to do? What scope of work would I be happy to execute for $10,000 that will move the needle for them somewhat, you know, toward that mm -hmm. ultimate goal? And usually this one's not a problem. Option one's usually not a problem because they're still, because it's the lowest amount and uh, and they're imagining the scope of work is going to be them doing what they already do, whatever that yes, is, coding. It feels editing. very familiar. Very familiar. And and then I go, okay, now what about at the at $22,000 level? And they'll think, okay, well, I guess I could throw it. A lot of times they say, well, I just do more of whatever option one was. Mm -hmm. And they're like, nope, it's gotta be something different. It's gotta be like, uh, it's gotta be something almost orthogonal to the first thing. So it's like, okay, what what would that be? And, you know, a lot of times it's things like um, uh, deeper involvement into their organization, or it could be uh, something like for, for a software project, if it involves any kind of user interface, it could be um, doing more research, you know, perhaps even meeting with their top three customers who are going to be using this interface to make sure that they actually like it before they build it you know just yeah. taking more responsibility interviews. yeah interviews exactly uh, maybe even design review but just taking more responsibility for the success of the project by going deeper into the organization or deeper into the business so okay so that usually we can get there but then it's like 50,000. What am I going to do for 50,000? <laughs> right. That's crazy. Right. And and yeah. and what if they're if they haven't made the shift yet to sort of the an advisory mindset, then they're just they just start loading up that option with all of this scope 
that to justify the amount of money. Like they don't, they can't even, I couldn't take 50,000 is the most, that'd be the most uh, yeah. I ever, right? I'm going to do this. 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 Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and they pile all this stuff in there and I'm like, do you, would you, first of all, would you really want to even do this for 50 grand? And they're like, uh, not really, but that's a lot of work. And I, it doesn't, it's not the kind of stuff I usually do. It's not even like what I'm great at. And they're just loading stuff in there, like, mm-hmm. uh, like an, like into the garage. Like I'm just going to shovel this stuff into the garage <laughs> and hopefully, you know, it, it, to justify the the price the highest price to the client but think of what's going on there so like let's say the client says like 50 grand like we weren't expecting that much and then you say yeah but look at how much work it's going to be so that's why like that's the logic but really the client doesn't care how much work it is the client cares about your contribution to the outcome they care about the transformation so it and it's it's difficult it's honestly difficult to come up with a labor, a hands, a hands approach for that third option that the client actually cares about. It's, it's easier to, to tie it back to your story. It's easier in that third option to offer something like three months of 24 seven advisory services after the project launches to make sure that, you know, uh, if anything's going on or there's questions from the employees, just to availability post-launch to increase the odds of the overall project success because that's what the, the buyer wants yeah increased odds of project success <laughs> they don't really care yeah. right but that's so, that's a whole mindset shift right that all of a sudden completely. you're going to be paid for access completely. and it feels weird when you do it the first time you're like nobody could possibly just want access to me and want to pay all that money just mm-hmm. because maybe they're going to ask me a question mm-hmm. it right. feels it and it can even feel like highway robbery a little bit at the beginning, oh, yeah. like, yeah, no, I can't do that. I can't do right. that. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of that that goes on. Because what? Because yeah. the same thing happens to them that, that happened to you in this situation where it's like, I was going to do something really hard. I was thinking I would have to do something really hard to justify this price that I'm planning on, on doing. Or, or maybe not even that, but it's just like, this is what they're going to want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. It's like to justify this price it feels weird that the thing that they want is actually easier than than me loading all of this junk into the garage and saying like look yeah. i did it you know you owe me the money and, well but- the, the the side piece of that is that you know we've talked about this a million times price telegraphs value and what they wanted most was they wanted to make sure that it was other people like them in the room right and by putting the price high enough they know that someone who isn't earning what they are won't pay it Mm -hmm. that it was really interesting because i said well what do you think about this price like no too low too low okay what do you think about this price better (laughs) or or sometimes i said well what would you pay for like in the later interviews by then i kind of had you know pretty much knew where we were going with this i said so what would what would make you buy this and what would you say no no to Mm -hmm. and they'd say no to low price tag that was the first no Yep. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that a lot recently with people. I, I interviewed a couple of people about a sort of high-end mastermind, small high-end mastermind communities, and uh, all they almost almost all they care about is the cohort. Like, who, yeah. it's like all the, the first thing they want to know is like, well, like we we like you, but who else is going to be in it? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be in there with a bunch of you know people they perceive to be 
uh, not where they are yet or junior. They want people who are a little bit farther ahead than them, or at least in some ways, so that they yeah. feel like there's something to learn, you know, from comparing Exactly. Notes. They don't want to be teaching. They're there to learn and grow. Right. right. So if it was free, <laughs> they'd be like, yeah. no, I'm not going to waste my time no. with that. Or if it was like 50 bucks or, you know, if it's too low, you're going to, it's going to attract a particular, a person at a particular stage in their career. And it's like, I mean, I, I, this yeah. is public information. I suppose I can share it. It used to be that, um, Dan Sullivan on the, on his website at strategiccoach.com, he had, I don't remember the name of the program, but it was like his annual coaching program. And there were two prices. I don't think it's like this anymore, but he had a, it was $10,000 or it was $50,000 for the exact same program. But he's, you know, scope wise, it was identical. Uh, mm-hmm. But right there on the website, it was like, but you should, you should buy the one that, that uh, you should buy the most expensive one you can afford so that you'll be slotted in with other people like you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's so great. <laughs> so is. great. It's totally true. And it's such, it's a, a fabulous example of time or scope or labor not equaling value because the value isn't yeah. in the labor that Dan Sullivan or whoever the coach would be would do. The value is in who you go through the program with. And yeah. if if you can afford 50 grand, you want to be it, or especially if you can barely afford 50 grand, you want to go into that one because you're going to be there with a bunch of other people that can at least afford 50 grand. So they're, they're going to be mm-hmm. roughly there's going to be a lot of similarity. It's like a self-selection kind of thing just based on the price. I, I, I love it. it. Yeah. In a weird way, it's a form of value pricing, right? Because the client values who's in the room mm-hmm. most of all, and 100%. he's put a flat price on, on that value. Yep. Yeah. It's or like, um, technically it is value pricing. I, I do draw a distinction between, I, I don't call it value pricing unless you talk to the individual buyers, but that is, yeah. that's my own yeah. conceit. It's just to try and keep things clear. But yeah, like airlines don't talk to individual uh, flyers, but they definitely are. It's value pricing, hundred percent. What they well, they do. have algorithms. I mean, he, right. here's the thing: if you go to a website, almost any of the hotel websites, and you look at a hotel, and you come back a day or two and look at it again, it's going to be more. The I'm algorithms yeah. <laughs> increase the price as more people look at them and as more people book for particular dates. And yep. it goes the other way as well. I mean, they'll reduce them if they're not seeing demand. So what we're talking about is really a very simple simplified version of thinking about value through your client or your audience's eyes versus right. your own. Right. And and this is this is key, right? So like the, my folks who are maybe would call themselves freelancers that are trying to get into value pricing, the the reason it's so difficult for them is because they've never had a conversation with their past clients about what what value added what was the transform after we were done how were you better off mm-hmm. instead of like instead of getting these like testimonials that are like you know alice was really responsive uh, she was polite real smart you mm-hmm. know but they never talk about how the business was made better by alice's intervention because you usually don't ask like that people don't think to give testimonials like that um, so an early step for me with people in fact it's the very first week of the pricing seminar we do proposals because that's where most people are doing. Like most people are, are doing really estimates, but you know, that's where most people are. So we start off right away with that. And uh, it's one of the hardest things to get your head around. So then we've got 12 weeks to, to get used to it and practice it and maybe send a couple of real ones and that sort of thing. But uh, they, when you don't know 
why your clients really hired you. It's like, well, what, why do you think your clients hired you? Well, because they needed a Rails app. It's like, right, but why did they, <laughs> did yeah. they, or could they have done something off the shelf? Did you just accept their self-diagnosis? No, 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 they really needed it. Okay. Why did they need you? Why did they need someone expensive like you instead of someone else? I don't know. I don't know why they hired me. I guess they heard good things. Like, okay, well, why did that matter to them? Like, I don't know. You know, so they have all these I don't know answers to to these um the questions that you need answers to in order to understand what to put in that third option, right? Yeah. Like, what are the things, what are the things that, you know, their hopes, dreams, fears, and nightmares? It's like, what are those things that they are, they are scared of? Um, how can you make them more comfortable? How can you make the, the ride more comfortable? Like, it's, it's another example I give all the time, which is like, you know, you can, you can, uh, you can take a bus from Providence to Boston and you can sit inside or you can be strapped to the front. Both both approaches get you to Boston, but one of them is a lot more comfortable than the other one. And the the billing hourly for a long project like that feels like being strapped to the front of the bus where you don't know what's going to happen. You're out of control, completely out of control, incredibly uncomfortable. And and to the to people who bill by the hour, they're just like, look, I'm driving the bus. You wanted to go to Boston, and we're driving to Boston. You know, and it's like, yeah, but can I get inside the bus? <laughs> I'd like to, <laughs> you know, and like value pricing lets them get inside the bus, right? And it gives them a much higher degree of comfort. And there are lots of ways that you can create, you know, call it amenities in the bus, not to stretch the metaphor too much, that they would. Party greatly, bus. Greatly Party valued. bus. Yeah, exactly. Party <laughs> bus. Hot tub in the back. I don't know. You know, first class, you know, or, or silent car, quiet car. There's all these things you can do to improve the journey because that's really what it is. The pro- A long project is like a journey for them and you. And if you can make it, you, lots of ways you can make it more comfortable because ideally it'll be very risky, bet the business kind of project that, that I would want to value price like it's super important yeah they've got one shot at it if they screwed up the window of opportunity might be closed uh, or they'll lose a bunch of clients or it's very high pressure uh, and they need an expert like you to come in and decrease the odds that it will blow up in their face uh, so anyway so that stuff's super valuable but if you don't talk to people about what they value it's you'll just be shooting in the dark and like you know loading garbage into the garage to say look i did a lot of work you, you owe me the money well, it's also a starting point. I mean, for someone who's just starting to think about this and the idea of value pricing, you know, scares them down to their toes. <laughs> the starting place is figure out what your clients do value so that you understand going in what you're a part of producing. Yes. Because it's it's rare for us to be like the only cog in the wheel. But mm-hmm. when you understand what it's going to produce, you can work differently on the project. You can work at a higher level. You can be more effective. You can ask better questions. You can give better feedback. I mean, it's it's a it's a it's a power play. And I don't mean that in in a way that makes the client not have power. It makes you it levels you up to partnering with your client versus being seen as, say, a vendor. Right. Yeah. And it usually usually amounts to thinking more like a business owner and less like a technician. Yeah. So when you're when you're used to, you know, selling an hour of Rails development for 200 bucks and you're like, you have a kind of a, a, a freelancer, a.k.a. mercenary freelance mercenary attitude of like, well, look, I don't know. I don't care what's it's like 
you know, whatever. They tell me what to build and I built it. Like, you know, you're not really thinking like the business owner's thinking. The business owner's thinking about like, man, if I could just add these features before Black Friday for that big launch, I know that ha having that bullet point on the website is going to increase sales by 20% this year, you know, right at the end of the year when we need it. Mm -hmm. But you're just like, I don't know, man, I'm just like writing code. They tell me to write code and I write it. And like, you know, it's this much, you know, you're, you're just thinking like a ditch digger instead of thinking like, you know, the excavation company and uh, getting more, you know, increasing your altitude of it. I mean, I have a, a, a webinar that's become fairly popular called uh, altitude of involvement. It's like when you're value pricing you can increase your altitude, the, the, the level at which you engage with the client, it goes farther. You could think of it as upstream or you could think of it as farther up the organization. And mm -hmm. almost invariably, it's less work. It's less labor because you're taking these years of smarts that you've built up and you're leveraging those. You, you've used all of that time educating yourself and becoming you know wise about what's a bad thing to do and learning all these rules of thumb and all the exceptions to the rules of thumb and just being a real pro and you can you can partner with the owner you can partner with people at the top of really large departments and and improve their experience of the trip from providence to boston by making them comfortable and they'll pay tons of money for that even though it's very easy for you like they're getting their money's worth for sure. Yes. Yeah. Easy does not equate. Um, not, how do I want to say this? Easy does not mean low value. Right. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. That's yeah, the mindset this, shift. Yeah. There's a psychology. There's a psychological problem there with a lot of people where they're like, it's too easy. And it's like, yeah, it's your superpower. And you spent 10 years creating it. So, of course, it should be easy. Right. That's the whole thing. They want someone. They want to find someone who eats this stuff for breakfast. Like that's exactly what they're looking for. It's like, yeah, but I can't, it's too eat. I can't take 50 grand for something where I, I like didn't, <laughs> it's not I fair. Feel like I didn't do anything. It's like, well, you yeah. did. If you, if you think like that, if you feel like that, it's because you don't understand what your client's buying. Yeah, They're buying peace of mind or they're buying insurance or they're buying uh, against all sorts of different things. Insurance against getting fired, insurance against losing their biggest client, insurance about uh, not running out of runway, Whatever they're worried about, they're buying insurance against that possibility, against that risk. They're trying to decrease the mm -hmm. likelihood of that risk or the impact of that risk occurring or, or the loss occurring. And that's Or they buy money. confidence. I mean, we did an episode on that. I mean, I, I've always convinced I sell confidence. Mm -hmm. That's what I sell. Yeah. yeah. Right? Right. Yeah. So if you, it, it's, uh, I think, I think to not to wrap it up, but it does really boil down to who do you want to sell to? What do they want? And how can you contribute to it? And, and then it's a question, how to price it is sort of a separate thing. It comes in and it's important, but it's kind of, it's a little bit of a separate thing. They'll mm -hmm. tell you, like your people told you, you know, you bounced a couple of prices off and they're like, that one's too low. Like, can you imagine like, why would someone ever say that? Well, there's a good reason, <laughs> right? Yeah. Cause you don't want a yeah. cheap one. You don't want to be part of the cheap community. That's for a different type of person. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it, it, yeah. I got so much helpful information just by asking. It's why I believe in interviews. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And go, I mean, I, 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 di I didn't complete this idea, but if you, if you haven't done this, um, but you do have past clients, a great thing to do would be, you know, go to my website and there's like a, 
uh, how to build building the perfect test testimonial. If you Google for building the perfect testimonial, there's a list of questions there and a process for reaching back out to your past clients. And, and if you, if they say, yeah, you can send over those questions, like you send them over and the answers you get back, they'll blow your mind. If you've never done something like this, it will blow your mind. You'll be like that. I didn't charge enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what happened. Like, yeah. like I doubled their traffic or, you know, whatever it is. Cause that's, those are the terms that a business owner thinks. And they think like in business outcomes, there's usually a number involved because it's the language of business. So there's usually some kind of percentage improvement or absolute value improvement, you know, absolute number improvement, which led to some downstream effect that they were super happy with. And it and the, the questions are specific enough. They're open-ended, but they're specific enough that you don't get things like, like Bob was always on time and what a great person to be around. You know, like those are nice, but that's just that's just saying Bob's professional. We know Bob's professional. That's not that's not a differentiator. You want to know that Bob can deliver results, and that's that's what you're pricing ultimately is the results. You know that transformation or the the business outcome. Yeah, and it well, doesn't I necessarily think, take a lot of work. Yeah, I think that you know another way to think about this, depending on the stage that you're in, is to really start to think about your product service ladder. Think about your options to clients and how ideally you want to work in your genius zone. So if your goal is to get to this advisory retainer model, forget what the price is, but that model, then start to look at where are you now and how can you organize some services or productized services that will get you closer to that. And chances are it's not going to work with your existing clients because they're yes. happy with you doing extra pair of hand stuff, but it's something you yep. can talk about with future clients. It's something you can put on your website to start the conversation. So it's I, I just see this as an iterative process where you can start where you are right now and think about creating something that gets you a step closer to where you want to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Right. Like my when someone comes to me that's done essentially freelance or solo consulting hands type of work where they're doing implementation then I typically, I almost, there's exceptions to this, but but the MVP product ladder for someone like that, who's, you know, they've done work, they've been in business for a few years, they're, they're getting by, usually hourly and usually for hands type work. And it's like, all right, you're going to add two things. One's going to be a productized service, like a road mapping thing. That's about 10% of your, like your usual project, ultimate, ultimate project size, dollar wise. So if it's normal for you to like do a $50,000 project or do a project that works out to 50 grand or in that ballpark, then just put a $5,000 road mapping thing on your website and describe what it is. You'll know how to do that. You will know how to do that because it's something that you do on every project anyway. So you can just describe that, sell it discreetly, and then have a $500 lightning call or strategy call or tech call or something like that, where it's a paid call, probably an hour, but you know, give or take, it doesn't matter. You can go as long as they want. Um, and so you have this MVP kind of product ladder and it's very easy to, I mean, it'd take you a day or two to, to create the sales pages and wire them all up um, to like, you know, Stripe or something. And once you've got that, like, think about the call. Let's say, let's say it's $500 to jump on a phone call with you for, you know, to, to get a, a particular question answered. If that sounds crazy to you, if you think like no one would ever pay me $500 to talk to me on the phone then that's your that's your puzzle if you mm -hmm. can solve that 
through positioning, almost surely. It's almost surely going to be through positioning, probably not specialization. It'll almost surely be through positioning. And if you can solve that, it will work on the other two things also. So, you know, you want them to be in alignment. You don't want one of them to be like, at 500 bucks and I'll teach you how to knit a sweater. Uh, at 5,000 bucks, I'll teach you how to architect a web app. You know, they need to be aligned, which, you know, almost mm-hmm. surely would be yeah. the case. But some people are like, well, I've got, I serve two audiences and I could do a roadmap for this one audience and I could do custom projects for a different one. I'm like, eh, let's not complicate yeah. things. No need to play on hard mode. Come up with these three. If, if you can figure out how to position a $500 phone call in a way that people start buying it, you're onto something. And then you just like, you um, sort of migrate that language into the roadmap. It's just more hands-on. It's almost like three options on a proposal, you know, where, where one, I'll, I'll talk to you for an hour. I'll give you the tools. I'll point you in the right direction. And then you can run with it like a DIY solution. Option two is like, I'll get my hands, I'll roll up my sleeves, get in there document a plan, do a little bit more investigation, a little bit more discovery, and you'll come out of it with like, like, depending on the nature of the work, it could be something like, um, I don't know, Gantt chart or timelines or milestones or um, technology choices or suggestions or, you know, all of these sort of like a, a strategy plus uh, a, a plan that they can follow. Perhaps you are you know, you'd probably hand it off to them at that point. And then the third option is like option three is like, okay, once you have that plan, I'll either build it or I'll oversee the team that builds it, you know, find you a team and oversee them, or maybe you have a team and oversee them. So those three things are almost like the three options on a typical proposal. So if if you can figure that out, yeah, if, if you can solve that puzzle of the $500 phone call, you're, you're onto it. Like you've figured it out. Like I, yeah. to me, that's, I had never thought about it that clearly, but that it really boils down to that because it's advice. It's clearly not you doing stuff. Well, and I just advise everybody to have something, even if it's a, a page that isn't easy to navigate to on your website, but you can send the URL to people. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to have a page where you have a paid phone call or mm-hmm. Zoom call, however you want to structure it, because you will get people going, I want to pick your brain about X. <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes you want to do that. And other times you're like, I'd be happy to do that if I'm paid, but I don't want to just do it. So you have this, it's just a great way to deal with people that you're not sure are serious mm-hmm. and you can send them over there. The other thing that that can do, especially when you put it into your your public product service ladder, is it winds up being a stepping stone that after they have that conversation with you, yes, there's a percentage of people, you've solved their problem, they go away. But there's also a percentage of people that are like, oh, okay, I see what I need to do now. I need you to help me with the uh, $5,000 or the $50,000 option. Right. Yeah, 100%. That's why it's why the ladder is the metaphor, right? It's like they yeah, climb up it. Exactly. Um, and I'll give you, I'll even share a little, one of my secrets around the phone call. I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this. It's not It's not secret. I just don't think I've ever talked about it. Um, is that if someone, if someone comes to me and is like, um, yeah, I'd really like to pick your brain that kind of thing. And I'm like, well, you've got two options. You can uh, go over here and buy the call. It's a thousand dollars, or you can come on my podcast and we'll do a public coaching call. So if they're comfortable airing their laundry in public, then I'll, I'll do this coaching call with, you know, person's name and job title, and then Mm -hmm. put it out on, you know, so they, they, Almost without exception, they get a lot of value out of it. They don't have to pay for it. And I get value out of it too because yeah. other people listen to those and they're like, oh, 
I got to talk to him, but I don't want to do it on the yeah. podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll do it for, you know, I'll I pay the thousand. For, I'll pay the right. thousand. Right. So, um, and you know, I, I don't let every, most of the time I, when I, when I offer that to someone, it's because they have a really interesting problem that would be very difficult to just write an email about. Cause that's another, another thing. Someone will send me a question. I'll just answer it on email. Right. But if it's complicated and I have a lot of questions and we really need to brainstorm and it, it requires a phone call and they have, you know, it's not just another software developer, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, what was a recent one? Uh, a guy, a, a web developer started a trading card company for banjo players. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was like, I got to talk to this guy. <laughs> yes. His name was Colin Brown and he started a banjo all-stars trading cards. And okay. uh, yeah, it's a very interesting story. And he wanted to talk about, uh, he was a web guy. So he knew of me through that. As, and he, I was positioned as, you know, someone who knows something about marketing and pricing and stuff like that. So he's like, I really want to talk to you. And I was like, I was like, well, I don't know if I can really help. So why don't we do this? That's, that's another thing. I don't know if I can really help. This is so out of left field. So let's just, if you want to jump on a phone call for the podcast, we can do that. And so if you, if you go back through the ditching hourly archive, there are a bunch of shows. There's probably a dozen, maybe two dozen that's, that's a coaching call with, and then, you know, former, former professional baseball player, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, it's a way that I can help someone for free, but also I'm getting benefit out of it because it, you know, it's marketing my services. And if people are right. listen, listen and they're like, Oh, I need that. Then yeah. they can either, you know, they can move up. But anyway, if you, if you can solve that problem, if you can solve that riddle, like how would I get, how would someone be glad to pay me $500 to talk to me for, you know, around an hour, then you're really onto something because you've, you've taken the hands out of it and you're selling your brains. And that's what it's all about. I mean, really everything that we're talking about in this episode, it's moving up that ladder mm -hmm. so that you're, you're selling brains. <laughs> brains. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. So I've probably exhausted my own reservoir of soapboxing. <laughs> Is there anything else that we... <laughs> We could add talk about time not equaling value. Man, I feel like we've we've hit it. Okay. Um, but if you have questions about it, we're we're gonna do an ask us anything episode in the next what two three weeks. So if you have mm -hmm. questions about it, um, send us an audio and we'll we'll add you to the mix. Yep. Yeah. Just make a little voice recording and send it in so we can play it on the show. Um, you can find our contact information on the website. The, uh, the business of yeah. Just which show is this? <laughs> the business of authority. <laughs> com. Uh, yeah, and we'd love to hear from you. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye.